people. Hello, my friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And I'm your favorite host, Dixie Lee Henning. Well, I mean, you're my favorite host. Nope, I'm their favorite host, too. I know. Yeah. You win them over. Surprise, I'm back. You win them over <laughs> with all your charm. Yeah, it's you're my looks. for the intro, but you're not on this interview. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, As they say, I have a face for radio. Ah, who says, did they say that to you? That's no, mean. No, no, that's, go that's just a thing. That's just a thing. beat him up. That's just a thing people say. And then I punched him. And then I, I pushed, pushed him. him. <laughs> <laughs> and then I pushed oh him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dixie, I had such a good time talking to your mom on the last episode. Yeah. Oh, that was so special. she's cool beans. So special. It was very special. My mom tells me I'm special. I know. So do I, though. She said it on the podcast, even. I know. She's like, you're special. It. <laughs> you're more special than your sisters, even. Etched <laughs> in the vinyl of time yep. and the digital internet. Thanks, internet. Because we don't we don't press our podcast onto vinyl. That would be weird. That would be really weird. I know of podcasts nope, that do it. Let's not let's not be that kind of weird. We won't be that kind of weird. I also know podcasts who make their own coffee blends. I know at least one, and it's us. It's me. Oh we got my. that sweet bean juice. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you and I went to our favorite roaster here in Billings this morning, yeah. and we tasted our coffee blend. We tasted that bean sauce. That. Sweet brown bean water. <laughs> Tasty bean water. <laughs> oh, no, it's so good, you guys. I'm so excited to release this. Just wait until you get that bean water in your Absolutely. mouth. Absolutely. Dirty bean water. Okay. Are you done with that riff? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> mm, it's so good. It's we, good bean water. We had a fun idea for the, the coffee blend. Essentially, yeah, it's your favorite coffee mixed with my favorite coffee. What? I love me that sweet bean juice, and soon you can enjoy our sweet bean juice as well. Absolutely. Be it's not going to be called bean juice. It's just going to be called coffee. Just coffee. <laughs> the no normal people coffee if blend. you're unclear as to what kind of bean we're talking about, it's coffee. It's coffee. It's not like black bean juice. Okay. That'd be gross. Is that a thing? I don't know. Oh my God. I don't want to think about whether bean? that's a thing. Or like oh, pinto no. beans. I'm just picturing, you know, like a can of black beans. <laughs> yeah. And you just pour the oh, water no, off. Oh, no, 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 That's no. the black bean juice. No. No. <laughs> I did it. Ew. I yucked her. Ew. Yucked her out. Ew. Okay, Dixie. <laughs> I have a question for you. I'm ready. In your entire musical life, what venue or what group have you enjoyed the most? Like being a part of for performances and rehearsals and... Uh... It wasn't band, if I'm being honest. I enjoyed jazz band. I didn't. Oh, jazz band was good. I pl- at Rocky. Got, so fun fact: I play the trumpet. I've been playing the trumpet since I was like five. Yes. And uh, I hate the trumpet. <laughs> oh no. Um, that's not great. So, but you're so good at it. We don't have to talk about it. You're I, really good at so it. Though. I play. I played trumpet a lot. You got um, those dizzy cheeks. Don't. <laughs> 
make that reference. Nobody understands. It's adorable. Everybody <laughs> understands. Nobody Everyone understands. knows Dizzy Gillespie. You're quick, Dixie. Name three famous trumpet oh, players. Oh God, Dizzy Gillespie. Well, that was a give me. Bob Waddingham. Aw, <laughs> I love him. And uh, you know that one, Lance that Armstrong. One. Nope. <laughs> There's an Armstrong. Louis. Louis. Thank oh my you. God. There's too many. There's the Louis. There's a Lance. And there's a Neil. Neil. Thank you. I even forget his. You got to kill all the Armstrongs. I literally get them all confused yeah. all the time. All of the time. It's not great. I loved it when Neil Armstrong uh, landed on the moon. <laughs> That's what he did. Yeah. That's the actual. Oh. You're not messing with me, right? It no. was Neil Armstrong. Was it? Yeah. Oh, God. Because Lance Armstrong was the biker. Oh, that's... I was trying to make that joke. Oh, you were trying to say Lance, <laughs> Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Oh, well, that's not... Okay. We all back... know it was Louis Armstrong that landed on the moon. Yes. Yeah. And he was a fantastic trumpet player. He's... And so are you. And you we were taught... Wait. fly me to the moon, you could say. Bring... Nice. There we go. Sinatra. Bring it around. Yes. Okay. Back to music Anyway, I was in jazz band. I wouldn't say that that was my favorite group that I <sighs> was, was a part of. There was one concert at Rocky, though. Yeah, that was sick. Oh, that, that was, was so good. But <laughs> That was like some sweet bean juice, but with music. Um, No, my... <laughs> <laughs> No, I so I enjoyed jazz band just because I liked the people that were in jazz band. I wouldn't say that I particularly like playing the trumpet. However, <laughs> sorry, I can't get over sweet bean juice with music. <laughs> <laughs> While Steven dies. Oh, my gosh. My favorite group that we oh. we both participated in me first and then you joined because I'm older than you Absolutely. was chamber choir. Oh, at Rocky. Thank you for this gift and, of memory. And there was varying people in oh, there. Right. Every year. Oh. So it was different every time that we were in it. I have a wonderful, wonderful memory of us as a group singing. I, for, I even forget what the song was. It's from 1 Corinthians 13. I think it was the, the tune was called Without Love. And it was yeah, just I this think so. hauntingly beautiful piece. And we had like Kelly Ray singing soprano one, just sailing up yep. on the top of those. And you know, us tenors and altos, that mm-hmm. was our parts, right? Yeah. We Go were altos. filling in the middles so good. Altos are the real heart of all music. And then in the <laughs> bass section, though, we had our friend AJ. Stanky bass. And <laughs> stanky <laughs> bass. Thank you. I loved it. I stood right in front of him for every oh. single concert, mostly because I was like, Dr. Hart, just, if you don't let me stand in front of him, it, I'm going to murder you. And he was able to sing so low. it would. I could see your knees buckle. You I, would swoon from geez, the notes. I literally, I was like, I don't, need, I don't even want to sing. I just want to stand here while AJ sings behind me. AJ has a skill. <laughs> Of being able to sing so low that the rest of us in the choir just stop. <laughs> we we more feel the note yeah. than we hear the note. We don't ever. We've never heard him sing. Right? You get we it. We feel him singing. <laughs> it's different. Oh, it's so good. It's and so that beautiful. chamber choir getting to sing with the Billings Chorale and the Billings Symphony performing oh, yeah. Carmina Burana. Yeah. Absolutely. Like Kay Razzy. The pinnacle of my performative life yeah. to date. Has been being a part of I that. actually know the words to all of those songs now. I forgot them all. So, also, oops. fun fact, altos are supposed to sing a lot higher in that than I was supposed to. Oh, yeah. You're an alto, too. Oh, I faked for it. Sure. I was like, tenor part, that works, too. Yeah. Cool. No. <laughs> and I was singing the tenor part, too. So we sang the same part. I so was that's like, fun. uh-uh. 
Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, and, so choir. This, yeah. Choir. AJ on the bass. Rocky. This episode. Yeah. I got to interview AJ, and he's living up in Bozeman now. Just absolutely kicking butt. Kicking the butts. Uh, he runs a whole like maintenance department for an apartment complex. What? I didn't yeah. know that. And uh, he's still playing a ton of D and D. Of course. Still rock climbing like a beast. Of course. And it was just so fun to catch up with him and like learn about his childhood and yeah. what got him to Rocky. Because that's and where also he, you and I he flies met him. planes sometimes. Sometimes. So that's cool. Oh yeah. Very right? eclectic. Right. <laughs> The guy is fun. Yeah, he is. It was really fun to reconnect with him. I have a serious question for you right now. I'm so ready. Did you ask him to sing at all while you interviewed? You know, I did not. I'm, I hate you. Because we were dealing with remote interviewing. Oh, and the microphone probably couldn't pick up that sweet, sweet, sultry bass sound well, that he produces the, with his body. The microphone in a pair of earbuds. Yeah, that's fair. Definitely cannot. So. Definitely. Unfortunately, no. I do not have no, that. No, I'm very sad. I'm trying to track down some recordings from the Rocky Music Department. That'd be too legit to quit. And uh, and one day, we'll be able to share those, maybe. Yep. Copyright. Someday. Permitting. Someday. Well, it'll be a secret. Wink, wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> can, you, can you hear my wink? Right. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> Your if eye you, makes that sound when you wink? What's you, happening? If you uh, support us financially, wink. <laughs> You might be able to hear that wink. That's so weird. When you wink, your mouth doesn't move, but I hear the word wink. Wink. Is that your eye? Yeah. Okay. It's my mouth eye. Let's get to the interview, shall we? Yes, please. Here we go. (laughs) We are going to get started with rapid fire questions. AJ, are you ready? (laughs) Um, Sure. Let's go. (laughs) Perfect. Let's get into it. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Uh, oceans. Rain or sun? Sun. Tea or coffee? Tea. Early morning or late night? Late night. Summer or winter? Definitely summer. Beaches or mountains? Definitely mountains. All right. Cats or dogs? I'm a maintenance guy, so either, but I love dogs. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Sunrise or sunset? Sunsets. East coast or west coast? West coast. Sweet or savory? Can I say spicy? (laughs) Absolutely. Let's go for it. Do you call it soda or pop? Coke? Yes. Okay. I love this answer. This is very good. Okay. (laughs) Hogwarts or the Shire? Probably living in Hogwarts because the Shire is just like a... Well, the hobbits are just... They're there. They have a very simple life, which is awesome, but there's no adventure. Pizza or tacos? Oh, pizza. Come on. (laughs) Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Books or movies? Let's go with books. Sweater or hoodie? Hoodie. Handshakes or hugs? Hugs. They feel just like it's super personal. Absolutely. It's really good. Introvert or extrovert? Absolutely introvert. Phone calls or texts? I'm so bad. Uh, probably phone calls because okay. there's usually an emergency involved uh, if it's a phone call. Oh, um, I see. And I'm, I'm there for that person. All right. That was the end of the either or questions. Next ones are a little more open-ended. Ready? Ooh, okay. Favorite candy? Shoot. Uh, Lindor chocolates. 
Do you have a favorite snack? Muffins? Like Costco muffins? The blueberry kind? Right. Oh. Favorite morning drink? Ooh, these are such hard questions. Um, <laughs> geez. <laughs> no pressure, um, man. It's, it's totally fine. No. Nope. Uh, nope. I'm going to give you a good answer that I actually do. Um, hot chocolate, hot cocoa, whatever. That wakes you up? Nope. But it, <laughs> no, I actually don't like, uh, I don't actually drink uh, much coffee or anything because oh, okay. it just like, messes with me. What is your favorite city? Probably Billings, Montana, because I love it. You didn't put any other stipulations with that. So Billings, Montana. Nope. <laughs> I did not. I am curious to know why Billings is your favorite, though. It's so close to uh, all the rock climbing destinations that I love. Okay. Yeah, this makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's literally two hours or three hours, depends on where you want to go, from actual world-class rock climbing destinations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's phenomenal. What is your favorite smell? No, cucumber mel- melon is, it just reminds me of the 90s where I like, grew up. Do you have a favorite ice cream flavor? Definitely Moose Tracks from Wilcoxon's. What are foods you will never eat? Squash. Who is the smartest person you know? I'll just go with Stephen Hawking because there is, well, a brilliance behind that mm, mind. Absolutely. Do you have a secret talent? Uh, I can play flute really well. What was your first job? I worked as a cook for Long John Silver's because I hated, hated dealing with customers. And I still (laughs) hate it. What was your first pet? So I had two. Oh my gosh. I loved them to death. Um, I had two labs. I had a white lab and then a yellow lab named Champion Hero because I was three and a half when we got them. And that was a part of my dad kind of being a dad, I guess, because uh, we moved from California to Tennessee when I was three and a half. Okay. And a part of that was uh, just like buying some dogs. Oh, my God. They were so great, except for they were so stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, labs are so dumb. Labs are so dumb. <laughs> that makes them even more lovable, though. I love them both so much. I oh, love it. Do you have a historical hero? Probably Benjamin Franklin, actually. What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? Definitely cargo pants. What is your biggest pet peeve? People that walk slow. Oh my (laughs) gosh, I hate it. I hate it so much. Mm. What is the best live concert you've attended? 100% Motley Crue. They're the nicest people. Holy moly. Um, I grew up with country music all my life. Okay. But Motley Crue was actually the nicest people to our upriggers over at the Metro in uh, in Billings. Oh, wow. So it was, yeah, it was, it angered me <laughs> <laughs> to, um, to the point of frustration where I'm like, yep, I've grown up with like the heroes, basically, yeah. of, uh, of country music. And like George Strait babysat me, uh, like Alan what? Jackson. Uh yeah, no, my mom was, I don't want to say she's the first female that like was a country DJ or a DJ on the radio. Okay. But yeah, no, growing up with the country radio, that's kind of why we moved to Tennessee. Wow. Um, 
yeah, grown up, I was always in the uh, country radio, basically the waiting room. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, yeah. So yeah, George Strait babysat me for, I don't know, however long and maybe 15 minutes, uh, just to, until he went on. Jeez. And then uh, Alan Jackson was, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Stealing other people's superpowers. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> no, I'd just like, nope. If you had a superpower, what would you do? Me personally? Yeah. Oh, I would do something. I would, I want the ability to manipulate time somehow without creating a t- too many like ripples in the multiverse or whatever. Um, then I it how angry would you be (laughs) probably angry if i got used to it if it was brand new and you're like no this is too dangerous and you just steal it no no, absolutely no that's actually oh you had a better answer than i did shoot (laughs) see because because what i what i want to be able to do is step i just i don't want to go back i don't want to go forward in time all i want to be able to do is take my body out of time so that I could get a solid eight hours of sleep, but then have like the actual 24 hour day of reality be, oh, yeah, be, be waking sure. time for me to do stuff. I wish I just slept well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. No, you had such a better answer to that than I did. No, but see, I like this stealing superpowers. Cause, cause then like it goes to your head at some point point. you're like, yeah, I can manipulate time or whatever. Like, and then you're just going full on like, Avatar Aang just stealing people's benders, like bending ability. <laughs> Excellent. Stealing superpowers is your superpower. What would you eat for your last meal? Kind of a roundabout way of asking what your favorite food You're is. You're assuming I that I've created. Yep, there we go. You've assumed that I have a last meal. <laughs> right, yeah. And you know what it could be. I don't know. Yeah, what, what's the absolute, what's your absolute favorite food? La Pa Grill uh, burritos. Mm. Absolutely freaking phenomenal. Mm. It's in Bozeman. Oh my gosh. It's the best burritos that I've ever had in my life. What would you consider to be your proudest achievement? At college? No, just helping administer to like other people that are interested in leadership. Mm. Just leadership qualities. Uh, it's, oh my gosh, it is so sweet. To just uh, watch people just grow into their own with just leadership qualities. What did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> so I started with a firefighter. And then when I was in fourth grade, Miss Moody's class, that was when 9-11 hit. Mm. And so we were watching that uh, live. And the first thing that came to me was uh, I wanted to be an airline pilot. I wanted to be that guy that saved those, I don't know, was it 100, 200 people? Wow. So, yeah, no, in fourth grade, that's, um, that's when I decided to be, go to school for aviation, just to go to just being the airline pilot. Wow. And that's, that's the opposite reaction I would have expected from a fourth grader. I think had I been that age at that time and watching that footage, I would have been like, whoa. The last thing I want to yep. be as a pilot, if that's a possibility of what happens, you know, but well, I wanted to be that guy that just stopped, stopped it. Um, wow. Because yeah, no. And that's, 
I mean, that's kind of what started my college hunt, I guess, was music performance and then aviation. Aviation was a huge thing for me. Um, Wow. Yeah, it was huge. Hmm. Dang, man. That's such a good answer. I love it. Okay. That's the end of the icebreakers. That's the end of the either or questions. Um, So now we're just going to kind of open it up and talk about your life. Sound fair? Sounds good. Will you tell me about where you grew up and what your family was like growing up? Yeah, I grew up in Tennessee, very small town. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, with five acres of grass that I had to mow (laughs) every week. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah, with a push mower probably. Uh, no, it was a riding mower, but it was not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, growing up in Tennessee was, it was great. It was great for me because I would stay inside and read. And then if I ever got like punished or whatever, then they would take away my books. Wow. And then I would just go outside. Okay. So I never really got punished. It was just, a, uh, it was hilarious because I would either go out and bike like mountain bike and whatever, mm-hmm. or I would just like read. So it was just kind of either or. <laughs> it was hilarious. Wow. Well, you tell me about your family a little bit. You already mentioned that your mom was in the Tennessee like country radio scene. What about your dad? My dad uh, worked in security. You know all those uh, basically stands that catch you when you when you go out of the uh, the store. That's oh, yeah. kind of what he did. Okay. Is install those and program those. Oh, gotcha. The the alarm system, like if something hasn't been scanned. Yeah, okay. he works for ADT. W- was that your family? Was it the three of you? Did you have any siblings, brothers or sisters? Uh, Yeah, I have a little brother. Uh, he's, oh gosh, nine years younger than me, I think. Oh, okay. But yeah, I love him to death. He is he is my hero uh, because he has a uh, basically a bone disease where mm. his bones grow uh, scar tissue and not actual bone. Oh, Okay. And he's had more surgeries than he has years. He's, yeah, what, 18 now? Wow. But he's had, um, his just outlook on life inspires me just every time I see him. I mm. love him to death. Um, and he's, that is my hero. <laughs> my little brother, yeah, is my hero. I yeah. just want him to do so great. Oh, that's good. Would you say more about his, uh, his outlook on life that inspires you so much? Just his happiness is just ridiculous. Because he's like, yep, sounds good. I went through another surgery. I was like, well, a surgery for him is having rods put up his femurs. That's that's not a good surgery. Mm. And he's just like, yep, nope, got another one. Like, whatever. It was just paining me, like, a little bit. And he just understates everything, which is great. Well, not, not great, I guess. But just, like, playing games with him on the Xbox or whatever he has <laughs> is just like, yeah, he's just like, I don't even care about it. Like whatever it happened like a week ago and I had another surgery, whatever, but wow. do you want to play like need for speed or like whatever? I was like, yeah, no, it just, just as outlook on life just inspires me sure. so much every day. Yeah. Cause when someone like that can take so much pain so often and still be happy and still have like some source of joy, like it's hard for that not to be contagious to the rest of us, right? Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. Mm. I love it. That's very good. So you spent most of your growing up in Tennessee. Were you going to school throughout that whole process, elementary, middle school? Pretty much, yeah. Elementary, middle, and high school. 
And what year did you graduate from high school? Uh, 2010. Excellent. So after high school, I mean, you already gave me a little bit of the background here. Like from the fourth grade, you were inspired to like start the college journey into commercial pilot. Yeah. So where does that whole journey take you? Where do you go to college? Um, so actually in a, uh, in high school, there was a program where people or kids that were interested, I guess, into uh, aviation got the chance to actually go to our local high school and fly a plane. Mm. So that's kind of what I did. And then I was super interested in music, like uh, orchestra music, I guess. Okay. This uh, is where the flute comes in, probably. Uh, flute? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, flute, because I started that at, I don't know, fifth grade, sixth grade? Oh, something yeah. like that. Great. And then I just got tired of being, oh, gosh, it's weird. I don't want to say, like, too good. I was really good at flute. Sure. So I joined the brass section. I started doing, I heard French horn was the hardest brass instrument to play. So I did it. Um, <laughs> wow. There's the, <laughs> um, there's that dive into it attitude right there. Absolutely. I was like, yep, this is extremely hard that I've heard. Um, so I'm going to do it. And I did it. Gosh. It was, it was hard. I'm not going to lie. That was phenomenally hard. But I loved it. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the sound. When you, when you watch Star Wars. Uh, and Luke's looking out over the twin sunset or whatever. Yeah. That is a French horn. It's, I don't know. French horn is just not heroic, but it's, it's used in so many things. Yes. It's really good. Yeah. It's a very like pure, inspiring tone to it. For sure. It's very clean. And then, yeah, no, coming up to Montana, I just wanted to be a music performance major. Saw how much work it was, hated it, and also saw the uh, the aviation department. Loved it to death. So I uh, I decided on that. Oh, <laughs> okay. So when you step into college, there was a process there. You were looking at the Air Force Academy. You decided you didn't want to go the military route to be an airline pilot. So was it the music degree that got you up here to Montana, up here to Rocky Mountain College? And then once you were here, it was like, oh, I guess they they have a really good aviation program too, right? Funny story. Yeah. No, uh, I was just taking a tour of the college and I was so disappointed on how big the college, I guess, was. Really? Okay. Yeah. No, because I was applying to like MTSU, the Middle Tennessee State University, mm -hmm. where it's 40,000 students on campus. Oof. And uh, coming up here, I was like, the whole college is like one block long. Like, yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and I was like, ah, gosh, I'll, I guess I'll go on this tour, whatever. And what got me was actually all the aviation professors just being, oh, call me Dan, call me Cleet, like, Call me by my first name and growing up in Tennessee, I'm always like Mr. and Mrs. Yep, absolutely. Like, last name. Like, and I was like just so surprised. Like the head of the whole department's like, Yep. Call me Dan. Wow. We're just gonna yeah, we're just gonna chill. Let's talk about like whatever. Yep. Yeah, no, what actually got me into uh our music department was just going by and I thought the choir was just phenomenal. Uh, when I was just walk, like the whole tour was just walking by, mm -hmm. and then uh, no, I actually fell into the choir by mistake. 
I hated singing at that point. I hated singing. Okay. Oh my gosh. You were only a band and orchestra kid to start. Yep. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. No, I hated singing to with a passion. Mm. And then uh I guess my I don't know how to describe it. My his name's Tyler. But uh he was like, Yep, I'm gonna set you up like set up a uh was it a not a quick rope, not a tight line either. Oh, a slack line. Yep, slack line. There we go. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we're setting up a slack line and everything, and he had me go across it. Well, I didn't get very far. Yeah, <laughs> he had you try it. Yep, and and then he was like, oh, shoot, I'm late for choir. And, of course, being the nice person I was, um, I was like, I will go with you to your professor, and I will apologize Oh wow! Because um, <laughs> because I have kept you so long, it's like sounds good. And then we both went to our that choir class, and Doctor Hart looked back at us and was like, "Sounds good." What part did he does he sing? And Tyler Oops. immediately answered, and uh, the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> no way! So literally, you just went there to apologize to Doc Hart just yep. because you yep. made his fr- your friend late. Yep, absolutely. And your friend just yeah. throws you under the bus, and he's like, "Oh, he sings bass." Yep, absolutely. It was <laughs> yep, and the rest is—I mean, literally history. <laughs> wow, that's so good. And this uh, is where I met you. Hilarious. Yep, yep, yep. This is where I met you my freshman year, joining the choir, uh, getting to be a part of the chamber ensemble as well. Let's talk about choir. Talk to me about like what was your first rehearsal like when your friend just drags you in. Um, hmm. I think my first reaction was, oh my gosh, the, just the whole group was just phenomenal. They were just, okay. I felt, well, I also have like imposter syndrome. It was like, I feel so out of place here. I don't belong here. Mm. Oh my gosh. I can totally relate to that feeling. But by the time I was stepping into this choir, I think you had been there for two or three years, um, if I'm putting the timeline together correctly. You had been there for a couple of years already, and I, I, man, I totally relate to that feeling. I stepped into that choir pretty much coming from being the hot shot top of my choir from my high school and walking into that choir like, oh my gosh, there's more people that can sing a lot better than me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, well, I only had like six months of training uh, before I ever came into the choir. And so Jeez. I hardcore was like, I know that feeling. And then, yeah, when you came in, yeah, I was just a goofball. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm still goofball, I guess. But uh, yeah. <laughs> at that point, you were so comfortable with the environment. Oh, yeah. Um, it just if my comfort zone is a lot bigger than others, then they're going to automatically just have a bigger comfort zone. So we can just be oh. chill with that. Oh, that's such a good attitude. Like, let me just like make the space a little wider here. So you feel comfortable too. Absolutely. Cause yeah, I, I was having a good time. I love singing. I just wanted it like everyone to be comfortable and I was just being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Some of my fondest memories of performing being a part of that chamber ensemble some of the pieces that we sang when we had such a filled out range among the 16 of us like uh people like kelly on soprano one and then you on bass like aj you have a voice that 
sings lower than I thought a human voice could sing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Every time Doc would say like, AJ, why don't you take the octave down? And I'd be like, I- I'm not sure he could do that. And then it, the, <laughs> you make you make notes with your body that the rest of us in the choir more feel than hear, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, I really do. Wild. So let's talk about the end of college for you. You were an aviation major. Talk me through what uh, what the end of college was like. Did you graduate with that degree? No, I actually didn't. Did not graduate with an aviation degree. Mm, okay. um, went through pretty much everything except for I don't know two months of flying. I I just ran out of money. Like there, mm. being an aviation ma- major is just so ridiculous. Like it's just. The amount of money uh, required is just so ridiculous. Sure. Um, so I graduated with a aviation, but also like a communication studies major. Okay. And then an organizational leadership minor. What happened after graduation for you? What happened after college? No, I was 100% struggling financially. Oh my gosh. It was absolutely ridiculous. I think I graduated with 130000 in debt. Oof. Okay ridiculous so i joined a painting company so i was painting houses painting complexes and then i just absolutely hated the owner of the company uh so i started my own company and that was that was hard it was a lot of fun and i had that painting company for i don't know two three years okay but that's that's about the point where i joined the uh the billing symphony and there's a lot of people with a disposable income that they're like I already know you. Yep, I'm gonna hire you. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic because I was singing with them, and just on the outside of that, I was just painting for them, and it was a lot of fun. It was hard. It was really hard, and I absolutely loved it. Was this the company you and I got to talking it off the leaf once, and you were telling me about a company you're working for, where essentially you were like. You were rappelling off the top of skyscrapers. Was it painting work that you were doing? <laughs> no, that was a different company. Okay, I was a uh, I was logistics coordinator. Okay, yeah. So I had a group there in Billings where I was in charge of just purchasing any equipment that they did away with. Um, yeah, no, I had to actually calculate how fast uh, hydrofluoric acid, I think it is. Wow. In the refinery yeah. that uh, did away with steel. Whoa. So I love that job. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. That is... Yeah, no, absolutely so much fun. And I think I had an annual budget of $2.1 billion. Good gravy. With, with a Good gravy. Yeah, no, I bought a fleet of trucks. I bought a warehouse. It, like... I had unlimited money, and it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> the stuff that I was like buying, okay, and got approved, which is best. Let's see. Then, real quick, before we start talking about climbing, because I want to talk a lot about climbing. What do you currently do for work? Currently, I'm a maintenance supervisor for a property here in Bozeman. So I have a couple people that are my maintenance guys uh this is the smallest property that i've ever been in charge of i'm just bored i'm just waiting for things to break (laughs) (laughs) i'm so surprised that so this property is like 12 years old and 
the last property that I had is, I don't know, maybe four or five years old. And I was working 13-hour days just to fix stuff. And then here, I'm just bored. I'm just waiting for, well, I'm just waiting for things to break. Yeah. But I'm, like, improving the property constantly. I see things that I need to fix that makes the whole property look good. So, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing is uh, maintenance supervisor. Sure. And did you start this kind of work when you moved up there to Bozeman? Um, No, I, so I was living in Billings and I was not uh, hardcore in control of my life. I had major depression. Mm, Okay. So I moved down to, uh, yeah, I moved down to Texas just to be closer to family. That's when I took on those properties just as a groundskeeper. And I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. And then I started realizing, holy moly, I can do a lot more. Mm. Oh, okay. So leave Texas up to Bozeman. Oh, I hate Texas. I don't hate Texas. I love the people that I've met there. And pretty much Dungeons & Dragons are my only friends. (laughs) Yeah, no, so I started playing there i started to get to know the the owners of the sci-fi shop and my only friends basically were from dungeons and dragons <laughs> thank you for listening to no normal people this week if you like what you're hearing the best place to tell us about it would be on apple podcasts or facebook.com where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnowPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W People Pod. Also, be sure to use our hashtags, KnowNormalPeople and hashtag KNP. If you haven't been there in a while, we have a newly designed website over at KnowNormalPeople.com. And while you're there, you can check out the store where we have podcast artwork featured stickers. And coming soon, we'll have a locally roasted and packaged No Normal People coffee blend. Steven, why are you the way you are? <laughs> I ask myself this every day, my every love. Every single day. Oh. So I am privileged enough to be a participant in your podcasting adventures. Like this one. Like this one. No, but also, people. I'm privy to the information of your new podcast that you just started. Yeah. That's called Ravel. 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 R-A-V-E-L. Not Gravel. It's like gravel without the G. But it still rocks. Thank you for this. <laughs> That's fun. Thank you. I like words. We're going to anyway. add that to the trailer. <laughs> it's like gravel. <laughs> so can you tell me a bit about this interesting new podcast that oh. you're starting with our dear friends, Josh and Emily? Ravel is a roundtable theology discussion show where Emily Reddinghouse and yeah. Josh Llewellyn, both of previous No Normal People episodes, true story the three of us are going to get on and just kind of round table some questions that cool. we have about christian theology emily is a reverend pastor in the united methodist church josh no big dump she's dropping that no business big dump right there with this okay josh <laughs> is an amateur philosopher to put it best yep he uh used to lead a discussion group here in billings montana called beerlosophy mm. and I mean, if you listen to No Normal People and you're listening right now, you know I can get into some really heady church talk, yeah. right? And honestly, I was getting a little self-conscious of the fact that I kept kind of 
derailing derailing no normal people <laughs> into asking people about spirituality a lot yeah because you know some people like myself don't particularly like to sit in that right. area like you could hold your own in a conversation like that yeah but I it's could not talk where to you, you about go. it i just don't want to talk it's about not where it. you want to go i'm just not interested but it's where i want to go yeah and i'm conscious of the fact that no normal people is not a show like that so yep i just made ravel i asked my friends You are fantastic conversation partners. True. And I would love to be able to sit down every week with you and just talk about whatever is on our mind regarding church. It's just, it's just one of those projects where I finally get to delve into your spirituality, get into it and allow no normal people to be its own thing. Nice. We like being our own thing. We like being our own thing. We like doing things different. Yeah. It's good. So thank you for asking. You're welcome. Dixie. If anyone's curious, they can find Ravel. Again, spelled R-A-V-E-L. They can find that anywhere podcasts are, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, And they all. also have some really cool artwork for their show. That's right. Some the amazing great person did it. Dixie Lee Henning did <gasps> our me. graphic work for our cover I and did. for our social media templates. And uh, so cool. you can follow The Ravel Show on Instagram and Twitter at RavelPod and just join the conversation. We'd love to have you. Now, to be clear, it's gravel, not gravel. Correct. Okay. R-A-V-E-L. Gravel without the G. (laughs) But it still rocks. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Introducing a podcast called Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been enriching. We think good theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so we're going to sort through our own questions in real time over a couple drinks. I'm Josh. I'm Steven. And I'm Emily. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RavelPod and find Ravel on any podcast player. That's Ravel spelled R-A-V-E-L. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. So now I just want to kind of take the conversation into direction and talk about what you are, what like you're passionate about, what you're into, uh, what you could like think and talk about forever if you had the opportunity to. You and I have had so many conversations over the years, like when we first met in choir and then running into each other in coffee shops all over Billings here about rock climbing. And I want to know when you got into this sport and where it's kind of taken you since you started getting really good at it. Uh, No, I actually got into it as a uh, same guy that got me or tricked me into choir, got me into rock climbing. And it was just a basic thing with uh, Steep World. I loved it to death. It was just, I mean, it was just like, it was a huge stress relief. It was an absolute huge stress relief where I'm like, all right, sounds good. All of these classes are just killing me. But then if I go to the climbing gym, I'm just relieved of that. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Your same friend who just kind of drug you into choir. Oh man, I love it. it's the same guy too. He's just like, hey, here's another thing I do that you should probably do with me. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> what a what a good yeah. friend. I love it. So he got you plugged in into the local climbing gym. That's Steep World here here in Billings. Do you prefer? I don't know what what kind of climbing do you prefer? Because I know you dabble in quite a 
a few different styles, whether it be bouldering or top rope or whatever. So, uh, like, what's your favorite to get out and do? Sport climbing. There's many different climbings. Yes. Basically, what you already know. So, I love introducing people to climbing. Let's say top roping. Sure. So, I'm going to climb up to the very top of the cliff. I'm going to set some uh, some ropes for everyone to enjoy. And then I just sit back, basically, and keep them safe. Be on the the back end of the rope, I guess. Okay, yeah. Um, no, I actually, oh, man. I really, really enjoy, actually, introducing new people to climbing. Mm. I, I mean, I still love going out and doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. But, gosh, I just love getting people stoked on climbing. Sure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It is. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just like so stoked right now. Um, I just love, just yeah, love hanging ropes. Look, I will do that all day. If someone, if just one person, mm-hmm. gets so stoked on climbing that they are like, "Yep, I wanted to take it to the next next step." Basically, sure. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, it's a it's a very like communal sport for you. Like you you like being around people. I think it's a communal sport for everyone. Uh Oh, yeah. I think everyone should experience climbing at some point. Just to even if you're afraid of falling, which oh my gosh, I was deathly afraid of falling. Mm. And uh, yeah, afraid of heights when I started climbing, I hated it. But you just have to expose yourself to those fears. Then you're winning, I guess, because you get over it. Sure. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah, especially in the climbing gym, like uh, Steep World for me, like when I was uh, dabbling in the sport, it was very much a place where I could feel comfortable. I mean, like the whole thing is set up essentially to like make falling as comfortable as possible. And and, And then it's literally just the thing where it's like, okay, just try a new route. And if you finish that one, go ahead and uh, try the next one. That's a little harder, you know, based on the color code and whatnot. So there at Steep World, I know you were there so often just just doing the climbing yourself. Uh, But once you started working for them, you started doing a lot of route setting. Where did you learn the skill of route setting? I mean, let's let's just start from the beginning. When when did you start working for Steep World? It was literally 2011, 2012. It was about the time, yeah. Sure. Um, I think I had a year where I was like calm and not a route setting. And then afterwards, it was just hardcore just route setting constantly. Sure. Um, like and then, you were the guy in the gym that did also, that pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. And then I was also behind the, uh, behind the desk welcoming people. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, did you have someone there at Steep World that kind of taught you how route setting should go? That kind of mentored you into that skill? Yeah, I had uh, one person for maybe a year. Um, his name is Dylan Key. He's brilliant in his own right. I think he's brilliant at coaching, not route setting. Mm, okay. But I, oh my gosh, I think he's absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. at coaching. It's something that I that I aspire to, I guess, with coaching for rock climbing. It's yeah, absolutely brilliant. I learned like the basics from that. So keeping that on route setting for a little bit, I mean, you started getting very good at it. So specifically when you're setting a route, is there a specific move that you design uh, a route around like that you want your climbers to 
get experience with? Like, do you, like, do you have an idea for a route? You're thinking like, I want them to struggle through this. They should always struggle. <laughs> always uh, hop on the struggle bus. Absolutely not. I will design a route around the difficulty level. Okay. So let's say a B zero person or a B B zero wants to go and climb something. They should have difficulty. Yeah, no, they should understand what climbing entails uh, before they get into very hard climbing. Sure. The main difficulty for some people is just weight. They weigh a lot. So you just have to find things that they can do proficiently that you don't have to yank them up a yank yeah, yank them up a rock. Oh, I see. But there's a lot of people that don't understand climbing. So women just off the bat are just better climbers than men. Hmm. Absolutely. Just off the floor, never done rock climbing. Women are so much better <laughs> than men. Just because if you look at them and just watch their movements, it's just energy saving the entire time. Men are just like, it's going to do a pull up competition. Here we go. Let's go. <laughs> just brute force, just like push through it. Absolutely. And it is garbage. Okay. <laughs> Oh man, it's just so much fun to watch them just fail. But like, so winning, watching them finesse their way up these rocks or or plastic or whatever Mm -hmm. I said, it's just inspiring because they're saving energy. They're killing it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, they're killing it. Yeah, no. So it's just like, it's a weird mental image when you're setting rocks um, or setting climbing rounds. Because you have to deal with just a crap ton of uh, limitate, not limitations, but, well, it's limitations, I guess. So you have to deal with reach, uh, ape index, finger strength. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. So it's not necessarily that you're building a route around a, a specific move that you want people to learn or practice or know about. It's more, it's a, it's a much more holistic approach where you're kind of taking each part of the route in sequence and you're you're designing it in such a way that you're you know who whoever's climbing this you're making it so that it's attainable for them to climb but you're also like pushing them to the very limit if they're going to actually be able to finish okay absolutely it is always possible no matter what sex you are or Mm -hmm. gender you are Um, i absolutely love it i hope everyone gets up it i really do i'm super happy when people fail (laughs) Um, that's the route setter, I guess. Uh, oh, I see. Because you, you, you know you're pushing them if they're falling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We love to see people fall. However, oh my gosh, we were proud when people get to the top. Oh, yes. It, there is something to it where like, you're watching someone grind it out and work on their art in the sport. And when you see them fail, it's like, oh, okay, so they they fail too. It's not necessarily like they're sending everything I throw at them because they're like superhuman demigods. Like they 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 have struggles too. They have things to work on. Absolutely. Let's take a Charlie Baron for a case study, I guess. So Charlie Baron is a absolutely phenomenon of just climbing. He has a background in gymnastics. And just walk coaching him. Mm, mm-hmm. 
Well, it was just dumb because any of the coaches cannot climb as hard as he does. It was hilarious. But <laughs> we can find what he's weak at by me just setting some just garbage. Just some absolute garbage. Oh. I was like, I'll, I'll, I want you to do this. And then he would go to nationals. He would compete in the adult thing. And he would actually see those ridiculous things that I hated myself for <laughs> from setting. <laughs> uh, I hated myself for setting those. But then I just see all those stupid routes that I set. I would see them at nationals. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm really good or I just suck. <laughs> it was a very fine line. But watching him just send it would just be hilarious where I'm like, all right, sounds good. I have a stupid thing that I want you to try to climb. Maybe it would work in nationals. Maybe not. And now he's going to worlds. Um, so I'm like, geez. Yeah. I'm like, geez. Um, apparently I did. Okay. I guess. Well, yeah, sure. Because you're, you're able to identify what he needs to work on and like where his weaknesses are. That's that's what I love. Cause it's like, sounds good. I'm, Dealing with someone that's going to Worlds. So it sounds good. I'll set a B13 or something. Just absolutely ridiculous. And then my friend, she's kind of more heavyweight. And then just seeing her climb the 5'9 outside in Red Lodge was just probably more inspiring, I guess, for me. See her climb a 5'9 outside versus... Charlie doing a B13 inside. It was, mm. or B13 outside. Yeah, no, it was just more inspiring just to get someone, when they look back at you, just having a huge smile on their face was a huge inspiration. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so what I'm hearing you say is like, what inspires you the most about this sport and inviting other people into the sport isn't necessarily like, watching the elite athletes that are going to worlds send the crazy hard stuff that you throw at them. What's more inspiring to you is when an individual realizes that they've like pushed beyond, they're not the elite athlete. It's just someone who just conquered fear or just conquered something that they had no idea that they had the skill to do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And she had just came back from, uh, from war and she oh, wow. was okay. struggling hardcore with PTSD. Very, very hard. She couldn't go, go into the climbing gym unless there was a certain number or less. And mm. so, yeah, no, I just made friends with her and was like, hey, sounds good. We're going to go out. We're going to conquer your feelings. And there's no, gonna, there's no one going to watch you. There's no one. There's no one here. Let's go. Let's have a good time. And no, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna conquer your fears. And she just all we did was just repel of I don't know, like a sixty foot cliff or whatever. She was so stoked. She was so absolutely stoked. Like that is the most fun I've ever had in a decade. Mm, that's so good. Just to take someone, yeah, just take someone that has experienced war, that has experienced something, all the things that she might have seen. Yeah. And just take her, just go for just a fun weekend or just a fun day where we conquer her fears. And I'm staring literally into her eyes and saying, 
hey, you're okay. You're safe. You were, I know exactly what's going on. I will tell you exactly the strength of these carabiners and all these ropes, mm. but you're going to be safe. You're going to be okay. And just to have that for her, I think was just a huge phenomenon. Yeah, her. that's very good. Yeah, no, I just, mm, I love taking like people that are just, just over, just coming from war and just doing uh, simple things like that or D and D and stuff like that. I love it. Oh, that's so good. Okay. Uh, thank you for talking about climbing with me. You just mentioned D and D, and you just got me very excited about it. So let's talk about D and D. Oh yeah, let's do it. When did you get introduced to this game, and uh, when was the first time you played? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't actually remember. Remember. Was it something you grew up with? Absolutely not. Uh, it was something that I tried to play, I guess, as a security officer when I was at Rocky. And they were like, nope, we're several months in. You can't join. Oh, okay. Just discouraged, I guess, um, about that. And then Jaden, one of my friends, was like, nope, you're going to join. Let's do it. So that was kind of history for me. But... I did see him just like flipping back and through like pages of actual like I don't know player's manual or whatever. Yeah, the handbook. Yeah, and I thought to myself that I can write a better story than that. And wow. So I I did. Took me about a year. <laughs> Holy crap! It took me about a year, and my players that were like, "Yep, we're into it." They stuck around oh my gosh it was ridiculous it stuck around for like a year and a half it was hilarious we did it they completed it and then i gave them a bonus like hey you completed my storyline you killed it here's a bonus <laughs> oh nice for any, uh, for any storylines that you want to be with me again i really appreciate it Dang. Okay, so you started playing, and pretty early on, you were looking at someone do the dungeon master role or the game master role, and you were looking at it, and you know they were working on the pre-written material that comes from Wizards of the Coast, and you were like, I think I could write something more compelling or something more interesting. So did you pretty quickly turn around from being a player yourself to DMing for this like year-long group? Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a three month period where I was like, wow, I can do so much better than wizards of the coast. I was like, I can do so much better with just making something that they can easily access instead of like flipping pages, flipping chapters, flipping literally hundreds of pages. Like, no, I can do better than that. Mm. Um, and so that was my challenge was I had my first character with him. And at the same time, I was building my own world, like literally building uh, my whole whole world. And that was months, months of progress. Wow. It was a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I, re I remember running into you at Off the Leaf, and you just had a couple of like spiral notebooks out and just pages and pages full of full of notes, diagrams, different ideas that you were throwing together. Oh man, I'm jealous of you seeing me with that uh, because I have so many more <laughs> spiral notebooks. Uh, yeah, 
I always ask this because I just recently got into playing the game myself after uh, I think our mutual friend uh, Tim Legacy invited me to come play. Oh my gosh, how are you doing in that game? Um, man, it's my first campaign, and I think I bit off a little more than I could chew in the character I decided to build. I think the character is a little too different from me, and it's it. I'm finding it difficult to role play her well, but. I am learning so much about the game and just kind of learning about that. You know, it's like my first campaign. I'm learning about that, that first time through just kind of dropping the inhibitions about being like being nervous to act something out with your group. Oh, yeah, for sure. So along those lines, when you introduce someone to D and D, like what, what do you advise like a first time player to know going into their first session? So they're not just like going to completely clam up or freak out. Oh my gosh, I love them so much. <laughs> Jeez, I, I will say that, yes, I'm so, so stoked them just to join, uh, just to watch or just to play. Even if they just want to watch, that's totally fine. If they want to play, I'm going to stop the entire session for them to play. And I want, uh, yeah, no, I just want them, I just want them to feel comfortable. Sure. And, I've had sessions where I hate this, but I, I've killed a character like a PC yep. and then a couple of the rest of the player characters are actually crying in real life that I have to like to <laughs> say, holy crap, I'm sorry. It's not real. Like it's not real, but a lot of people are actually emotionally connected um, to our other player characters. But Hey, Let's make a player character for you. Um, shoot. <laughs> sure. Man, I literally last night playing a session, we had a character die and we've been playing this campaign since January or February. So like our characters are very much connected. Oh, yeah. uh, the character that died also, it was Dixie's character and her and my character have like a really extensive backstory in the way we wrote our stories. So like, I wasn't expecting to be as connected to, you know, just like a fake imaginary person dying in yeah, battle, sure. but oh my God, like the entire table, we were crying. We were, we, it was so hard to deal with, man. And then our DM, like right at the end, we had an extra druid oh, along everyone. for the ride and we had a druid do revivify <laughs> and just bring it back. And it was like, oh, you son of a, <laughs> like, absolutely. Like what it a was... roller coaster we, we just went through. Yep. Absolutely. That's mm, <laughs> shoot. What do you advise for someone who wants to pick up dungeon mastering for the first time? It's all improv. Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. Um, that's a hard question. Oh my gosh. I mean, it sounds like the answer might be just like study the basics of int- improv on YouTube for a while and just get familiar with the whole yes. And scenario. Yeah. Study the PHB. Uh, the player handbook and make yourself a guide. I have one of those. Uh, I think I actually gave it to Tim. Uh, (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. It's an DMs guide where you're like, Oh my gosh, underwater combat. What do I do? And then I already (laughs) had it printed off. I already had it printed off. I gave it to Tim Yeah, uh, for things that you don't understand. Like, so like underwater combat, I no, I don't deal with that very often. 
Oh my god! Um, <laughs> but like players jumping off of an entire like a tower, mm-hmm. you have to like calculate how far they're actually going to go if they're a monk and they don't actually like take damage because of slow fall. Yeah. So there's like mm-hmm. there's so many things you have to keep in mind. Oh my gosh! There's there's a lot. However, if you have a DM there to help you mm-hmm. as a first first time DM. Just use them. Use them. Like, hey, I am not familiar with like fall damage. I'm not familiar with how do I read this actual like this enemy damage guide. So yeah, no, absolutely use your friendly DM because they're going to be friendly and they they already know. So uh... if you don't have that, please I implore you. To, to go to just, uh, just a random uh, game factory and say, hey, this is what I have. This is the problem that I have. How can you help me? This is the edition that I have, the fifth edition or whatever. Just do it. And everyone's going to help you. Every Absolutely everyone's going to help you. Man, nice. Yeah, and I mean, like that's very much the attitude that you should go into this game with. It's like, you don't, oh gosh, you don't, you don't win D and D you work together. Like it, it's a very, like a team sport. You can't just, you can't be the one guy that hogs all the, the combat because then it, it makes everyone else bored or everyone like, I've, mad at yeah, you. I've had a player, a couple of players do that. Yeah, no, I just, they're no, yeah. no yeah, longer playing. It. Yep. Yeah. No, it's fine. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely a team sport. And if you look at it as a, the DM has literally the entire world already copied. They they already have that. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for just your character sheet. Yep. Very true. And then you look at, all right, sounds good. What does my player character want? Do they want riches, gold, self-satisfaction? That's what you have to do after I think you uh, actually make your character. Yeah, like you um, roll a character sheet, determine what they look like. But beyond that, it's like defining some motivation for them and actually like creating a personality for them. Absolutely. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's uh, very good. Man, I like it. I am curious before I get into my closing questions here. This is a conversation that you and I, I don't think we've ever had before, but I'm curious to ask how would you describe your spiritual life if you have what you would consider a spiritual life? And mostly what I'm curious about is how would you compare that kind of facet of your life to the way you were raised or the way your family raised you in church or in any sort of like specific philosophy? Let me start with a holy Um, (laughs) that's a good start. No, actually, uh, I was raised with, uh, like a first Baptist background. Okay. And then, no, actually, while I was down in Texas, a few of my residents, they convinced me to go to their, it's not a Baptist church, but it's just like, hey, you're going to feel the spirit there. Um, I, oh my gosh, it was absolutely phenomenal. Mm. I, no, I went to the front. Oh my gosh, it was, it was absolutely f- moving to me to go down to the front to actually say like, holy crap, I 
yeah, my life is garbage. <laughs> hmm. So just like going to the front and just saying, yep, that that was it. So absolutely, I have been feeling that way. I haven't had that feeling yet here in Bozeman, but oh my gosh, I just live on that. Just the feeling of just everyone's just happy. Everyone's just like there for their own spiritual wellment. Sure. And just just watching that, just watching everyone just to have that fulfillment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I'm not a Christian. I'm not, I'm really not like phenomenally, uh, I guess, spiritual. But Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, that absolutely, I was there for it. It was, yeah, it meant something. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it, it sounds like you were kind of raised in a Christian context. Uh, First Baptist, which is probably, I don't know if I was hazarding a guess, like the church your parents were going to, the church you were going to, um, was very, well, I guess you're in the South. So this, this uh, tell me if my assumptions are wrong here, but that church context might've been like pretty reserved, pretty laid back um, and not as alive or exuberant as what you experienced in Texas was. Does that track? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So what it sounds like you're describing though, is that you had, you had kind of a moment where you saw the value in what these people were doing there in Texas. Absolutely. Do you know if that was connected to any particular church denomination or something? It was a Christian event, first of all, correct? For sure. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, definitely a Christian event. The church has not been established there yet, but I did go <laughs> quite a few of my residents. But absolutely, it, it was. A, mm, I want to say it's weird, but it was like I was looking at it as based off of a trance uh, session where you know exactly what's going on, but still it was. Like you feel everything that everyone else is going through. So I was not a part of that, but I did see like a lot of people that were just like so stoked about it. It was infectious Mm. just to see that it was, oh man, I just loved it. I just loved the whole experience and it was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, Well, and it sounds like there was value in there for you just at a time in your life, especially kind of going back and forth, like you were, you mentioned that you were struggling with, uh, with depression and just kind of like a lot of questions and being invited into a space like that and seeing people like have so much grounding and have so much common ground to stand on and kind of form a community there. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. Phenomenal. Cause I, yeah, no, I attempted to, uh, shoot. I hate this. Um, but yeah, no, I attempted suicide. Hmm. And I survived, obviously. Yeah. I'm still here. Um, <laughs> Man, I'm so glad. Um, yeah, I'm still here. Um, but yeah, no, I hated uh, Texas with a passion. Sure. Sounds like that was a, a dark place for you. But Absolutely. I mean, if I'm hearing yeah. you correctly, it sounds like this event that you were invited to at least gave you some fuel to understand that, that there are people in this world that have a connection, seemingly have a connection to something. And they're connecting to each other. Absolutely. And from what I've heard in your story, like this entire time we've been talking is 
you love it when people get to connect and actually like form a ground for a real relationship. So it it sounds like that was just built for you in a way. Like that was a, that was a moment you needed to understand. Wow, there is something different than all the the darkness that I'm experiencing. Oh god, it was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I don't cry very often. I should. Um, mm. <laughs> Uh, but holy moly, uh, no, I was there. I was absolutely present. Well, it changed me. Yeah, um, it was good. phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. So I'm trying to find something up here in Montana with that energy, I guess. Sure. But, oh my gosh, I love this. Yeah. Officially right now, you said you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, but as far as like I don't know, belief systems go or, or even just like spirituality in general. Like, do you think there's something out there or something here that we can't necessarily see, but seems to be a, like a connecting force? Um, absolutely. Uh, just seeing mountains is like phenomenal, but yeah, oh. right now, holy moly, uh, just seeing where I was, where I was, which is a very, very dark place. And then just seeing, congregations where i'm just like oh my gosh i love it oh my gosh i'm just like so stoked about it yeah no i think there's something there i love it sure and i hope you do too so man absolutely wow thank you for uh thank you for talking through that i really appreciate it that uh now it's my turn to be inspired uh the way you describe that is just like yes this is this is how humanity should be like humanity should be collecting themselves around around something that like puts them in relationship and puts them in community in that kind of a beautiful way. Yeah. No, I, I really (laughs) respect that. I love you. (laughs) Man. Love it. Great, man. I have had such a good time catching up with you today. I've enjoyed myself immensely. I'm going to, uh, wind us down here a little bit and ask you a few of my favorite closing questions. So first off, what are you reading right now? I'm reading, um, I actually brought my book down, but it's called the wheel of wheel of time. It's the series by Robert Jordan. Yeah, no, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's really good. I've only gotten through the first three books, but holy moly, it's great. Wow. First three. How long is the series? The series is 14 books. So I've gotten wow. through three. Okay, that's what you're currently reading. What are you currently listening to? So like when you open Spotify, what, what kind of music are you into right now? Holy crap, I wish I had Spotify. But YouTube, I think I've listened to all of YouTube's music. All of it, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's not a joke. Um, wow. <laughs> I'm there literally eight hours a day on YouTube, but... YouTube preferences. I'm actually like super calm, I guess. Okay. Um, I'm usually listening to audiobooks or um, like Joji, um, oh. which is a is that Mandarin speaking calm music. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, normally it's, yeah, straight audiobooks. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about podcasts? Do you listen to any podcasts? No, actually, I'm. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not actually into podcasts. Yeah, no, I'm super into like actually like audiobooks. That's what you're listening to. Uh, lastly, on the co- closing questions here, what are you watching right now? And this is either, this could be either like movies you're into or TV shows that you're in the middle of. 
Oh my gosh. All right. Sounds good. I'm in, well, Netflix, but I've been watching a crap ton of foreign videos. Like, um, say, The Gift. I think that's Turkish. Phenomenal mm. show. Love it. I watched the whole thing. Man, AJ, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've loved getting to catch up with you. To close us out, would you read our favorite quote for the show? Absolutely. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. 